right now. Anita, you liar, we'll set your hair on fire. Anita, you liar, we'll set your hair on fire. <laughs> Fuck it, bitch. You crazy racist bitch. You bigoted bitch. What's up, everybody? Hey. Welcome to, what's this week? Uh, week two of Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everybody. I'm glad that you're here. Damn it. To listen to us. Yes. In, in everyone's time of need right now. Yes, Thank absolutely. You. We hope you guys are all doing great out there. Uh, I got a little uh, little fiery for a second there. I'm sorry. I mean, this movie get me fiery. Right? It's been it's been a movie. It's been a week. How yeah. you doing? I am here. That's the best I can ask for at this mm. point. But I'm about to cool your fire down a little bit. What? With this tasty beverage I made us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got this looks absolutely delicious. What did you what did you make for us? I made the left your heart cocktail. I made it up myself because I left my heart in San Francisco. Oh. And so I got to put together a little bit of some stuff and I hope it's good. So it's two ounces of brandy. Yeah. One ounce of lime juice. Okay. One teaspoon of simple syrup. One fourth ounce of grenadine, and one fourth ounce of mango juice. Mango juice is that what's in that carton over there? I was gonna make us a milk drink, but eh. I just I wasn't feeling it, and so this is what we got. Okay. So you're gonna do that. You're gonna shake it up in a shaker with some ice. Okay. Pour in a rocks glass over rocks, and then I made some. Fruit snack, Some, rainbow fruit snack. I love it. Garnish. On These the are not going to last at all. That's fine. You should know this. I, I cannot leave a bag of gummy lifesavers, gummy bears, gummy worms. I don't care what it is. I eat them as fast as I quit, possibly can. I love these things. Oh, these are cold. So, cheers to the left my heart mm. cocktail. Cheers. Yay. Cheers. Smashies in the motherfucking building, everybody. Bah, bah, bah. Ooh. Lemony. I like that. I like it. It's difficult to get these gummy bears off the toothpick, though. I'm sorry. It was garnish. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's refreshing. Mm -hmm. I can sip on that. Mm -hmm. well, I fear that this is going to get me fucked up in about 15 minutes, though. Okay. Brandy. We're not dealing with gin today, so we should have a good, a good drink. <laughs> it won't get off my finger. <laughs> okay. So... This is pretty good. All right. I like it. So what are, are we ready? learning about today? Mm-hmm. Ready for a little bit of her story. Oh, yeah. What do you think we're going to talk about? Uh, Gay rights. Close. We're going to talk about the Castro. Ooh. Now, I went to school in San Francisco. Okay. And I spent a lot of time in the Castro. It was one of my favorite places in the entire city. And I put together a little bit of her story for you guys. So Castro Street was named after Jose Castro, a California leader. He was a Mexican leader for the U.S. And he worked in California from 1835 to 1836. I guess that was just his time of ruling. He was older than that, obviously. But Wait a minute. Eight for for a year. For a year. Mm -hmm. One year. It seemed like he's Mexican, so they probably got rid of his ass. They cut him down real quick. You Shit. Know. A year and you made that kind of impact? Yeah. Enough that the most famous street in San Francisco mm -hmm. 
is named after you. Okay. And so Castro started off as mostly an Irish neighborhood with families and churches. And it was really religious. And that's kind of how it was in the 50s. Okay. I got you. So it was very family stuff. But San Francisco was known at that time, or still. Yeah, for being progressive. And being very open to taking all types of people into their city. Mm -hmm. And at that point, mainly gay. So gay people started coming to the city in droves, and they seemed to migrate into the Castro District. Because the hippies kind of had hate street, and so they, you know, moved into the Castro and the Irish sold their shit and moved the fuck out of that neighborhood. Mm. And the people that stayed there slowly started moving out. The businesses that were in that neighborhood didn't like the way that it was going and were rude to the gays and lesbians that would walk into their stores. Yeah. And so eventually they moved out and a lot of gay businesses popped up. Moved in. Especially on that spot. The world's a giant erase board, dude. They thrived. Yeah. And it's still a beautiful part of the city. Has my favorite part. One of another favorite part of my in the city is there, the Castro Theater. Oh yeah, you you always tell us we got to go see that uh, a movie there. Yes. Do you know what movie I did see there? What'd you see there? Milk. Really? I sure did. Oh. <laughs> and that, my friends, is a little bit of history. And the movie we're doing today. <laughs> and the movie we're doing. Tonight. Yeah. It is tonight. nighttime. It is nighttime in the Castro, as you can see. Isn't in the it Castro. lovely? Ooh. All right. We're in the Castro. Let's fucking do this. Ooh, 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 <laughs> you make me feel so oh, real. Yeah. You make me feel so real. All right, now I feel like feel. Sean Penn when he walks into the liquor store. How's everything going? How's business going? You don't mind having all these homosexuals in here? I'm <laughs> everybody. He loves our kind. Spend away. Tell your wife I said hi. And the Castro. I'm just going to go. Can I just go into the theater before? Fuck yeah. I'm just going to go into the theater before we even start about fucking talking about this movie because I'm so excited. Do it. This theater... Castro Theater is where I saw this movie Milk that we are talking about today. Mm-hmm. I had just moved to San Francisco at the time and, you know, had been living there for probably about six months and had already been to the Castro Theater and saw a couple of things before that. But when this movie came out, I was like, well, where else should we go to go see it than there? So we went and just like it made the movie feel a lot different because I'm sitting in that history as I'm watching it. Like he's passing by the theater and we're like, we're in there right now. Mm-hmm. Like we're in there right now. And so the Castro Theater was built in 1920s and it's a one screen theater. It is a two level theater. So there is a balcony at the top that you could sit up at, which is one of my favorite spots. It's also a lower level and they have, it's back from the 20s, so it has like silent silent movies were shown there uh-huh. at the beginning. So there's a stage that has a organ that sits on it, and it plays music in between movies. And when the movie starts and the lights go down, so does the organ. It goes sinks down into the stage, so you can't see it anymore. And That's cool. It's just I've seen so many great movies there. I mean, they do a lot of old movies. Like, I've seen Godfather 1 and 2 there. I saw Lost Boys, Natural Born Killers. Uh, I saw... I was just um, telling Ashley about Lost Boys the other day. Yeah. We got to watch that one. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I saw just... I, it's, it's so many amazing movies there. 
that Enter the Dragon. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. I've seen so many great uh, Wait, shit there. I've seen sure. Purple Rain there. Purple so they do. Rain. Purple Rain. <laughs> so they do like live entertainment there. So I've gone for like Little Mermaid sing along. So everyone goes to sing along. There's always like costume contests. You know, I love that shit, right? And then like I went one time for Pam Greer was there. Ooh. She did Q&A. They did Jackie Brown and coffee double feature and she talked and I went and entered into her costume contest and won. She held the contest? Well, no, the, the, the theater holds the contest. Okay, but she um, was a judge? The audience was a judge. Okay. And she was amazing. Nice. I also got to do, they did a Purple Rain one. I got to meet Apollonia. She was there doing Q&A. Like, they just do amazing things. If you had a chance, stop there because that theater is a fucking treasure in the neighborhood babe san francisco is looking mighty tempting right now mm-hmm. so milk milk harvey milk we ain't talking about almond milk Mm-mm. although talking- i do love some almond milk i know you do in my in my protein shakes <laughs> I do, you do. we're talking about harvey milk in my coffee so a little bit stir it up in my eggs makes it nice and fluffy it does <laughs> so this movie dropped uh-huh october 28, 2008. So the budget for this movie, surprisingly, $20 million. Super low. Well, and that money, and today's money, $24 million. That's it? It doesn't sound... 2008 was 12 years ago. So, yeah, from $20 million, now $24. Yeah, that, I guess that would make sense. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't double in 12 years. It made $54 million. Uh-huh. Which in today's money is like $66 million. Yeah, that checks out. I did the fast math, carry the Thank two. You. Yes, that's correct. I don't do math. <laughs> I put this into the computer, it tells me what it is, and I go, mm, that sounds right. So, I mean, technically, that's like 20%. Okay. So it's increased 20% in the last 12 years, is what? Well, it made money. There you go. It made money off of me. Mm-hmm. In the Castro, and I know that it was heavy seen in San Francisco at the time. Mm-hmm. You ready for Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. What do they got? Critics, 93%. Yes. Audience, uh huh. 89%. Okay. Zenobia, 95%. It's really good. And it shows the city, and I love how it shows the old footage of the city. I do love that, that old stock footage. And you look at it and like for someone who lives there or have lived there, you look at it and you go, oh my God, not much has changed. Like it has changed, Mm -hmm. but like those buildings are still there. Like it's all still there. Like That's one thing I really do like about San Francisco is they don't do a whole lot of tearing down of old buildings to build up new ones like they're doing in Hollywood right yeah, now. Not as much. You have to go up in San Francisco because you can't go out. It's only seven by seven miles. The small Damn. little town. That's, that's crazy. It. Yeah, that's it. Like you could, you could walk from one end to another. All right. Well. Well, what's the Zenobia rating? Ninety-five. Oh, you did say that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, I need a drink. Oh. Oh, I need one too. Okay. <laughs> well, let me make one before we get into this next part. So you gave it a 95. What'd you give it? Uh, I mean, I'd probably give it the same. I don't know what I would take away from this movie. 
uh, it breaks my fucking heart. Was there someone that was in the movie that you didn't want in the movie? Not really. No. I think that everybody did their part very, very well, honestly. I agree. I can't think of anybody that didn't do a fantastic job. That being said, there's some characters that piss me the fuck off. Such as? Uh, <laughs> well, not just uh, Josh Brolin's uh, character. Well, duh. If he doesn't I mean, piss you obvious. off, then I don't know why you're watching this movie. Yeah, but fucking Jack pisses me off too. Jack infuriates me to no end. Yeah. And I watched a documentary on the Castro this time. Uh-huh. They were talking about how it became really a boys club. Sure. They were mean to lesbians. They kind of didn't want them in the neighborhood. My girlfriends say you guys don't like women. I'm just asking. Is there a place for us in all this or are you all scared of girls? Really? And they kind of saw them as allies only mm-hmm. when it was necessary. Like, oh, they're trying to take away all of our rights. We should probably all stand together. And it was mainly white men. So... Ethnic people were not kind of, they didn't really have their own bars in there. There was like two or three like black bars or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, after knowing that, I kind of feel like, okay, he doesn't feel like, he feels like an outcast in the world where he shouldn't feel like he's an outcast Mm -hmm. because you're in the Castro. But then he is quite annoying in drama. Oh no, he's very dramatic. He definitely... I mean, we can get into him later, but I got some issues with the character, but he did a great fucking job depicting that character. That character is incredibly insecure. Mm. They have, he has a lot of emotional trauma and insecurities and he just, uh, is wreaking havoc on Harvey's life. He's adding to his stress that he doesn't need. If anything, he is disrupting him from accomplishing what needs to be accomplished. He's one of those people that can't handle not being number one. You know, and yeah. I know that it is a mental and an emotional disorder, and we're aware of that now. I don't know if they were aware of that back then. He can't be alone. Yeah. He physically can't be alone. He has clinged onto Harvey. And he, I mean, he told him he loved him the first night that they met. Well, you know, he's that's de- a real lesbian thing to do, though. I mean, they're not lesbians, but yeah, that's a lesbian. They'll say, like, a week into their relationship, they'll be like, I love you, girl. Let's move in together. Like, so when, because, <laughs> no, no, that's not a thing. I, I, that is I, a thing. Scare I know. the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. Well, you're a straight male. That is what scares the shit out of you. But hey, I can hey, understand. Hey, hey, I think playtime is over. In that community, <laughs> you know, it's especially in that time, it's like, oh my God, I actually found someone. You know? There is a yearning, there is yeah, a wanting. I get that. I found someone. And it's in a time when it was nearly impossible to find someone, you know? Sure. So. I'm not making excuses for him, but I could see. I mean, is it nearly impossible, though? Back then, yeah. Yeah? If you're not in San Francisco, then yes, it's nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Harvey is talking to Emile Hirsch's character after he's had his heart broken. Mm -hmm. He's talking about how you are going to have 
dozens of men in your life and they're going to be fantastically beautiful and incredibly funny and charming and this, that, and the other, and you're not going to know until the end of your life which ones were your greatest lovers and which ones were your greatest friends, Mm -hmm. you know? Because he likes to give people hope. Yes. Young people hope. But I have made this drink is else. messing with my brain. So we can do, can move on now. We'll come back into all of that. Mm-hmm. This movie has so much. Okay. Well, my cup is full. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. You ready for the motherfucking drinking, drinking game? game. Wow. Yes, I. <laughs> okay. Motherfucking drinking game. Yeah, motherfucking drinking game. This week, you guys, it was a tough week for me, so bear with me on my drinking game. Okay. I think it's pretty good, though. Take a sip. Yes. Every time you hear, I'm here to recruit you. Nice. I'm Harvey Milk. I'm Harvey Milk. My name is Harvey Milk, and I want to recruit you. And I want to recruit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you hear that, you're going to take a sip. And he says it quite often. You take a simp. Jesus. Sorry, I'm just, re- I'm seeing how many Oscars this movie was nominated for. How many? Eight Oscars. It won two. Best writing, best performance by a leading actor. So you're going to take a simp when you see old footage. Mm. So when you see old footage of. That grainy stock 70s footage. Beautiful, beautiful footage of just people of walking the bridge, down dude. Castro Street. The old ass news people, that racist ass Anita bitch. Mm, that bitch. She's not racist. Well, she probably is. I don't know, but she was definitely a bigot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Big time. A, a horrible person. Yes. You gonna take a sample notes because you gonna need them because you're like, damn, we back in the seventies and this mug. Anita. Anita, you're lying. Well, such a will set your hair on fire. fire. She talks like she's just so perfect. Hi. I'm Anita Bryant. And I want to sell you orange juice. Ugh. And tell you that gays Which is a lie also. That's sugar juice with a little bit of hint of orange. You're trying to kill us. You're going to take a simp (laughs) when Harvey records on his tape. Ooh. So when you see, you have to physically see him. Yeah. Speaking into his tape recorder, that's how people used to have to record themselves mm-hmm. back in the day, children. This is only to be played in the event of my death by assassination. Imagine having the, what would it be called, premonition, thinking that you're going to be assassinated. It is true. Mm-hmm. The foresight. He really did do that, and I actually listened to the tape. Yeah. And it's pretty much what they do on this on this movie, mm-hmm. which you hear is kind of what I heard on the tape. Yeah. You're going to take a sip when he gets a call from the kid in the wheelchair. Mm. So this is when the kid is talking about him wanting to kill himself. himself. Sir, I think I'm going to kill myself. No, you don't want to do that. And then when he calls to tell him that he didn't kill himself. Yep. And he made it out to Los Angeles. Because... They met a friend of his. Of his, and he got his number again, and he called him, and he said, thank you, and I voted because I'm 18 now. Yep. And I mean... 65%. That would have been the worst thing if you never found out, like whether the kid survived. Or yeah, not. yeah. Like you just never found out. You just was like, I was the last person to talk to this kid, and really I couldn't do anything because a riot was about to break out. Yeah. <sighs> Tough. Okay, so you're gonna take a simp 
when someone says Prop 6. Even Ronald Reagan is opposed to Proposition 6. You're looking more and more out of touch. If I come out against Prop 6, it's only going to be for the invasion of states' rights issue. That's it. So when they talk about that stupid-ass prop... No on Prop 6. Say no on Prop 6. You're going to take a simp. Okay. Because that's some fucked up shit. So you're going to take a simp. Take that simp. When you see protesting. Okay. So there's a lot of protesting. There's a lot of protesting. And I also think that you should do that also if you're sitting at home and every time you turn on the TV you see protesting. You should take a sound. <laughs> yeah. Might help you get through the day a little better. I mean, I don't do regularly scheduled programming anymore. But you, you still see it everywhere. Okay. You are going to finish your drink on Harvey's 40th birthday. 40 years old, and I haven't done a thing that I'm proud of. You keep eating this cake, you're going to be fat by the time you're 50. So this is after 12. So not when he is like, oh, it's my birthday. I still got, okay. Yeah, not that. Okay. But when he goes, oh, it's officially your birthday. Finish your drink. Okay. Starting them quick. He going to finish your drink when the prop doesn't pass. Mm. Somebody, come on, Lady Liberty! Once they realize that we got enough people, um, you gonna finish your drink mm-hmm. when Harvey gets assassinated. You know how to do it. Of course. You gonna pour a little bit out in your mouth. I mean, the whole thing out in your mouth for yeah, that for one. sure. So what you got? Oh, I had one in my mind and it jumped out like a damn f- slippery frog. This is going to be a fun one. Uh-oh. Okay. Take a simp every time Harvey says a sexual innuendo. I almost put that in there too. Because <laughs> he does a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when he first meets Emil Hirsch and he's like, Hey! I like the way those pants fit. Where are you from, kid? I like the way those pants fit. Or uh, when he's name? walking out, he's mm-hmm. like, I am really looking forward to licking you. Licking you. In the polls, In the of polls. course. <laughs> I do like when he was like, I know I may be looking a little different, but I left my heels at home. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I love all of it. Yeah. And even uh, he makes fun of uh, Josh Brolin, uh, Dan White, while they're like doing that uh, two-man um, interview on TV oh, uh-huh. and stuff. So he, he he throws a lot of uh, sexual innuendos out there. Because it's funny. It's funny. And it's, it shakes things up. Mm-hmm. And it shakes those type of people up because they're not ready for that. Absolutely. So that's my contribution. Love it. <laughs> well, then that's the, the motherfucking drinking game. Yes, <laughs> Cause you make me feel. All right, what we doing? So we're gonna dance. We're listening. Make it's me feel. Disco night. Shit. Oh, every real happy pride, everybody. We gotta talk about the man who created this. Let's talk about it. Uh, Mr. Gus, Gus? Van Sant. Van Sant. <laughs> I mean, I have no problem with you just talking like that the rest of the night. Rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gus Van Sant is our director, two-time Oscar nominated. Obviously, he, well, not obviously, but he has been nominated for Goodwill Hunting. 
He directed Goodwill Hunting. He directed Goodwill Goodwill Hunting. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. Apparently, this uh, Goodwill Hunting did not become a serious movie until he decided to direct it, and until Robin Williams came on to portray his character of the psychiatrist. He's like, look, I'm trying to do something serious here, you guys. So he got nominated for Goodwill Hunting. Okay. And he also got nominated for this movie. Duh. Best director for this movie. But my dude started out in music videos. Such as? Uh, Elton John, The Last Song. Okay. Uh, David Bowie. Who else has he done? What David Bowie was talking about? Uh, Fame, 1990. (gasps) Yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge. Ooh, my, that's my favorite, favorite song that is my of theirs. Favorite. I didn't know that he directed that one, but that is my favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers song. It is cool. And so he directed the music video for Under the Bridge. Yeah, and then in 93, he did uh, the video collection for David Bowie. Okay. Stone Temple Pilots, Creep. Okay. You know that movie? Or that... Uh, 90s song. Creep. I'm a weirdo. Like every white what dude who can't hell sing. What the am I doing here? That's a karaoke song. Is it really? I don't belong here. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's him right there. Uh, and then he eventually, I think he really loves David Bowie because he also uh, did 2002's Best of Bowie. I mean. Who doesn't love Bowie? Everybody loves Bowie. Fame is my favorite song, David Bowie song, definitely. Okay. Fame. Mm. And I also think he loves Red Hot Chili Peppers because again he comes back in two thousand three and Californication. No, Greatest Videos. <sighs> okay. So okay. Culmination. Okay. But he directed that one as well. Because Californication is a dope video. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. No, he didn't do that one, but he did Desecration Smile. Another Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, after all of these, he finally, in 2008, directed Milk. Wait. He didn't wait. do just, I'm not saying he did just he did, music videos. I, he didn't because no, you said he, he did, did Good Will Hunting. And that was in the 90s. That was in 97, of course. So, okay. But uh, he continued, to, I think that was his last music video was in 2007. I don't belong. So right after yeah. that, uh, he did Milk. So I think maybe he would like do music videos just to like keep the lights on and pay the bills. You got to pay the bills. While he was working on his own passion projects like Goodwill Hunting and Finding Forrester and uh or actually he didn't direct Finding Forrester. He was like a director's assistant or something like that. Do you know? No, he did direct it. Yeah, he directed Finding Forrester. Oh, that's a cool. With Sean Connery. Mhm. You know that one? Mhm. Or is a recluse like writer or whatever disappeared for 30 years well gus gus van sant he had a passion for doing milk back in the 90s Mm. so he wanted to do a movie called the mayor of castro street time someone first called me the mayor of castro street or i may have invented the term myself really do you want to know who he had in mind to play mr harvey milk who robert williams richard Gere. Mm, i don't see that Daniel Day-Lewis, the Mr. Perfect. Yeah, I could fucking do anything. And James Woods. I love Jimmy J- Woods. I love James Woods, but I feel like he can't get his uh, his. He plays chauvinistic characters. Well, no, not that. I'm not saying that he can't do this. I'm saying that I can never not hear his voice 
when he speaks. Ah, I get that. Yeah. I think Sean Penn is the right choice for sure. Well, in that in the two thousands, yes. But we're talking like the nineties. Oh, you're right. I think James Woods resembles Harvey Milk. They have that longer, slender Mm -hmm. face. He has the same complexion, same build, his frame. However, you know, James will put on a little weight for a role and lose a little weight for a role. But like when you think of James Woods in like Digstown versus James Woods in Casino, you can see it. In Casino, he's got like that pot belly. Yeah, he's he's gross. (laughs) Where are you going, baby? Yeah. Where are you going? Okay, okay. I, I, I think he could portray it. But he'd have to work on his voice for sure. I think Daniel Day Lewis is the best choice. I think Sean Penn did, well, like you said, in the nineties. In the nineties, I think Robin Williams could have done a good job too. But what did you put in this? My brain is not working right now. Brandy, brandy, mango juice. I'm getting dumber with each episode. Lime juice, simple syrup, grenadine. You've had all of these things before. Nothing's <laughs> new in these drinks. It's just in a different order. All right. <laughs> I'm just slowly losing my mind. That's fine. Well, Gus, you did a good job. You kind of, I don't know what one and own eight. I can't, I didn't look, but you probably could have won. You did a good job. I thought the, just the weaving of the actual footage is probably the thing that just made it feel so authentic and so real Mm -hmm. that you want to. I love the uh, contrast of all of that from the stock footage to the flashbacks of him recording to starting all the way at the beginning Mm -hmm. when it's his 40th birthday, the night of his 40th birthday. And this is the inciting incident where James Franco tells him, I I think you need to find a new scene. I think you need a change of scenery. And that's what brings them to San Francisco in the first place. And that's where it all started. Okay. Well, Wait. Is that what? <laughs> Wait, so them hooking up. Stop putting happens, the needle back. What the fuck did I just miss? Doesn't happen <laughs> in San Francisco. It happens in New York. Yeah, it doesn't take place in Frisco. They moved to Frisco in the beginning. They did not. I feel like that wasn't. Because in the real world, mm-hmm. real life, Harvey was on the stock market in New York. And he just couldn't take it anymore, and he hated it, and he didn't want to live his double standard life, and he just got in his car, and he said he drove to San Francisco, and he didn't know anyone, but he knew that he'd be accepted here, and he came here. Now, I that, I took it as he came here, and he really didn't know anyone, and that's why he hits on Scott. I thought it was on San Francisco, but... Oh, Interesting. Could be wrong. Well, the last thing I'll say about Mr. Gus Van Sant is uh, he had the opportunity to work with a fantastic singer, John fucking Mayer! You made me miss a body as a wonderland, okay? <laughs> Listen, next time, instead of making me miss your body as a wonderland, just shit on my face. Just shit, because that's, that's what the same thing. That's the same thing. As making me miss your body as a wonderland. He directed, who, do you thi- who did you think I was for John Mayer? <laughs> I just had to throw that out there because I thought it was funny. (laughs) Fucking John Mayer. John fucking Mayer. Okay, so Mm. where are we going? We're going into this cast, and it's a big cast, and therefore we're going to run past about three or four people, but I want to give them their just dues uh, because they deserve it. 
Uh, they did great jobs, okay. but we ain't got time to talk about everybody, Anybody and so we're going to talk about that? the main cast. But before that happens, we're going to give an honorable mention to Miss Allison Pill, who played Anne. Mm-hmm. And the I only abs- girl. Mm-hmm. I love her in this. She's like, just give me what's left in the register at the end of the at day. At the end of the day. Yeah. You know, she's, she's tough. She made she's shit She's not happen. letting these uh, gay guys intimidate her or dissuade her. She knows her job. And Emil Hirsch comes up to her and he's like, he's telling Harvey we needed some tough dykes around here. So, Well, he got one. You got one. <laughs> like, yeah, man. She made shit happen in like minutes. Absolutely. She they turns shit around real quick. They're like, where's Scott? And they're like, bitch, don't worry about Leave it. Leave my personal life alone. We broke up. He's not there. Obviously, something's up. Why are you going to keep bringing up old shit? It's your fault because you wanted me to run again. You want it, Scott it, here or you want me here? He told him he couldn't do it. He, it was either, he told him. He told him it was either Scott or this. You're like, they well, didn't you get win. it. But it was a good thing. Good yeah. thing that he did run. Mm-hmm. So Joseph Cross, who plays uh, Dick Pavich, did a fantastic job. You right, recognize him from the 2006 movie Running with Scissors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dennis O'Hare also did a fantastic job. He played John Briggs. Uh, he has had a great career since then, uh, including Dallas Buyers Club mm, 2013 mm-hmm. with McConaughey yep. and Jared Leto in them. Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody who we always see and we love it every time we see him, but he's one of those guys who you never remember his name, Mr. Victor Garber. Plays the mayor. I was, I was like, I know Mayor him. Moscone. Who is also an openly gay person. Is he? He is. Oh. So that's cool. I didn't know that. Okay. The, uh, there's another. Who else is open? Wait, Victor Garber is gay? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant the mayor. I was like, wait a minute. That changes everything. No, not the mayor. You, you threw a curveball at me. I, I couldn't quite catch it. The actor who plays the mayor. Okay, Victor Garber is openly gay. The actor who plays... The guy who plays, I guess, like the senator or whatever. The My one's God. like, oh, I want to debate you. You know, it's sad that we can't debate. He's like, yes, I do want to debate you. Oh, you yeah, know what yeah. I'm talking about? Well, that's true. The gay people don't have any children of their own. And if they don't recruit our children, they'd all just die away. Mm-hmm. That guy, he's also openly gay. I love him. He's in American Horror Story. And in the hotel season, he plays Liz Taylor, an awesome nice. trans lady. Um, so, yeah. There was some openly gay men in this movie. Got you. Love that. That being said, we're going to jump into the main cast, but we appreciate all of those actors and actresses. They made this movie what it is. Allison, love her. Mm -hmm. Fun thing. Her birthday is November 27th, 1985, which is seven years to the day of the assassination. Wow, really? Cray, right? Cray, cray, cray. All right. Sad stuff. Go ahead. Yes, this movie is. is full of sadness, you guys. In a week where I was already sad, this just like added on to it really did. my unhappiness on this country. So here we go. Uh, Diego Luna plays Jack. Yes. And he gets Your favorite money. person. My favorite person. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's one of the, he's like, that's how I see him. A lot of gays are very dramatic in themselves mm-hmm. just because they have a lot of emotion and feelings. I get it. I get it. But he 
He's just too much. He's too he's much. Like... He's incredibly self-centered. He's manipulative. Mm-hmm. He throws guilt trips everywhere. He's like the girl that cries at the party and locks herself in the bathroom. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's him. I hate her, too. The first lady. That's what they called him. Oh, Jack. did they? They would call me like, oh, the first lady. I, I Don't get me wrong. It's He definitely has some emotional problems. I mean, which leads to him... Taking his own life, mm. you know. That part makes me so sad. Not everything that he did is, you know, like in his mind, he doesn't think that there's anything wrong with what he's asking, you know, or that he's causing a scene because you were 15 minutes late coming and home. I didn't know anybody. You said you were going to be here at 6 and you didn't get here until 6.15. If you would have showed up at 6.15 instead of 6, it just been been a different day that this guy committed suicide. It's the bigger issue. I'm sure the numbers are super high in that time for gay and lesbians. Sure. Dealing with coming out mm-hmm. and dealing with just hiding and not being able to be themselves. That, you know, the only way they feel that they can leave is to leave this earth. So, I mean, I... I think that I this get it, is. And I think that he was one of those type yeah, of. Yeah, I think people. he just couldn't handle it. Yeah. I think his particular personality, he would have had uh, mental and emotional hurdles, even if he was not gay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, Diego Luna portrayed this very, very well. Okay. And as you can see, I've known some girls that have been like this, and they're just they're emotionally unstable. They will manipulate you. They always play the victim. And in their mind, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. Like they fabricate things in their head that aren't there. And in the movie, it makes me wish that Scott would have stuck around. No, because I don't think Scott, I don't want to have Scott's life not be happy. Yeah. He wasn't happy anymore. Like you saw, he wasn't happy without him either, though. He was trying. He was trying. You know, he's making dinner with. 80 people in the apartment. He's like, yeah. get the, everybody, we done. This Goodbye. This apartment is closed. Yeah. Grab your shit. Who jacket? Get your jacket. Yeah. Like, you know. I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. And unfortunately, you f- he fell in love with the man who found a cause that is greater than the two of them. And it just, it makes you wish that maybe if Scott just would have held on just a little bit longer, they would have won. They won the next year. Yeah, but then you know? that would have been just as bad. Meetings. I don't, I don't and... think it would have been just as bad. He held meetings every night of the week, mm-hmm. and he would take one night off every two weeks. Jeez. So there, yeah, there was no. That yeah, was it. There was right. none. That it's was it. <laughs> it's definitely a lot. And it's un- if he didn't, the LGBTQ community wouldn't be where it's at right now. No, and something you know, everyone deserves to be somebody's first priority. Sure. And if you're not, then you know, mm-hmm. go find somebody who you are. Yeah. And you think, okay, you've finally been elected. You don't have to campaign as hard every year anymore. This should be a time when people are helping you move forward. And then this guy is just pulling you back and demanding your time and just being impossible. I hate to say it, but nobody likes him. Nobody does like him. Nobody likes him because... And he don't like he... them. It's just that Cleve and Anne, they try to cut me out of your table, baby. I'm so sick of that bitch. should fire them. He doesn't like them. He doesn't understand what they're fighting for. I guess. 
I don't know. It's and it's nothing against Diego Luna because he portrayed this character the way that he's supposed to. It's the character that was written that you just, dude, stop tripping this man up. It's he not about you. In a closet. It's at not about else's you. House. You're not even at your own goddamn party. Your best friend's party. You at somebody else's party. And as soon as I walk in the door, they're like, "Your bitch is in the closet upstairs. Go get her." Like, I don't know what you're doing. Right? Don't make a scene while you do it. Like, ugh. Well, that being said, it's time to talk about uh, arguably my favorite character in this movie, Mr. Emil Hirsch. Uh, what's his name? What's your name? Um, Cleve Jones. Cleve Jones. You're adorable. Cleve Jones. I Cleve. like the way those pants fit. He's like, no, honey. Where's he from? Phoenix? Yeah, or something like that. One, I do love him in things like, you know, Dogtown and fucking... Lords of Dogtown? Lords of Dogtown. Oh, uh, yeah. And I love him Alpha in Dog. Alpha Dog. Fuck yeah. So he does do some the fucking girl shit. next door. That is your shit. Speed Racer. <laughs> i never seen it. <laughs> it's not that great. i never but, seen it. But, um... Did you see The Call of Nature, though? Or The Call of the Wild, excuse me. Yes. Dude. I read the book and I watched the movie. It's and it's loves. one of those journeys where you're like, I know the outcome already before mm-hmm. I even... It's like this movie. You know, most people know the outcome before they watch the movie. For sure. Yeah. You're just like, so how does this happen? Where, where are we starting until it happens? Sometimes I think that's a better story when you know what's going to happen at the end, but you don't know how it's going to happen. And if you notice, Gus Van Sant plays with you a little bit in that. He sh- when it's getting close to the time of Harvey Milk's assassination, he plays with you and he sets certain scenes in the mayor's office and he like strategically places things to where you think, okay, now what's gonna happen? Oh, oh, really? No, not yet. Oh, fuck! Yeah, oh, Gus, you bastard! You got me. You fucking <laughs> got me. So there's that. There's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Emil Hirsch, I think he did a great job. I didn't even realize it was him at first. He's, he's got, got the, the big black-rimmed glasses. glasses and the curly fro it's going on. Fro, it's like the cutest. <laughs> little Jufro. Cutest, and he's just so sassy. Uh-huh. Can you wrangle a thousand people in an hour? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he can. And he can. And Harvey inspired him, the mm-hmm. real him, to be an activist in gay rights. And he continued on for the mm-hmm. rest of his life. Like, you know, he's, I believe he's still alive. I believe so. It's, Last I heard. He's still out there in the streets. Taking it to the streets. He's <laughs> just out there. So, yeah. And he knows what he's doing. He's very confident. For a little guy, he's out there. He's marching thousands of people down the street, and he is coordinated. He's got his walkie-talkie. He's got his megaphone. He's got his speech. And he is inspiring people. Meanwhile, he's coordinating and making people like, no, we're going to block both sides of traffic. We're going this way and we're going this way. We need to cause a scene. Mm -hmm. We need to get people's attention. And then they say, we can't do that. The bus is running. Pull the fucking plug. Take it off the the wire. Don't you fucking touch (laughs) the F train. That is my favorite train. It'll get repaired tomorrow. 
They're gorgeous. It's the only, they absolutely do. It's the only are. train in the city that is like the old-fashioned like streetcar trains, mm-hmm. and they have them from all over the country. Some are from in different parts of the world. These trains that they bring them, mm-hmm. and so you can get on one, and you can be like, "Oh my god, we're in a train that's from Australia!" Like you know. And there are these old. I love the F train. It's bucket list, babe. We got to do that yeah. next time we're in Frisco. My point being, this character is destined for greatness he has all the tools at his like he even says maybe i should run instead of you i mean if you can do right, it if you can do it he totally can <laughs> he totally could he brought up a lot of good ideas and he was organized mm-hmm. and motivated so yeah but you're right about how harvey inspired him and how he kind of mentored him Uh, and taught him to think for himself rather than trying to conform to the political system. Mm -hmm. Like when they first get elected and Harvey tell, uh, he says, all right, don't worry about it. I won't come dressed like this again. Next time I'll be in a suit. Like, no, 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 absolutely not. I want you wearing the tightest jeans in your closet. Every time you come up here here. and do not use the elevator. I want you to use the stairs every time just to accentuate. Makes an entrance. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be me too. I have totally done that in City Hall. City Hall is beautiful. So I know that the real Cleve Jones uh-huh. said that when he was making this movie, he met up with him and was like, okay, so you're playing me? Let me just give you a tour of San Francisco. And, you know, this is Castro and where we used to do this. And we used to go over there and do that. And that used to be this bar and blah, blah, blah. I love it. And he said he gave him all the stuff. But, like, as he's driving, he realized that he was being way more butched than he should like his normal self to just like like to like show his manliness and he felt so bad about it that he was like okay i'm gonna take you to my house i'm gonna make you some spaghetti and we're just gonna like do real talk yeah because you're portraying me and what i've showed you all day is not me it's not me and so like you know and that stems from a gay man's insecurities around a straight man yeah and so he they did the real talk good he told him now don't fuck it up. <laughs> so, well, and he said he didn't. He loved it. Emil, so I don't think you fucked it up. I, I think, don't think you did, did a either. great fucking job. Amazing. I got a fun fact. About Emil? No. I thought we were moving on. Oh, okay, fine. You got some more about him? No, I just love talking about him. and I do too. But I'm going to move it on. So Harvey's camera store. Uh-huh. Castro camera. And his apartment on lower hate were actual locations really so the camera store they which i've been in uh-huh. it's now oh i don't know what it is at this moment but when i lived there it was like a medman <laughs> no it was like a knickknack shop or like Daddy a way. get a dog a bound <laughs> Like, you know, a this gift shop. Kinda. Rolling home. But they worked with the owners of the business and mm-hmm. had them kind of redo it the 1970s way it looked then. So, because okay. I've been in there before, and but by the time I had been in there, the movie was already filmed. So it was what it looked like now, I guess. Sure. Um, and his apartment on Laura Haight. I've never been in it. I would love to hear from somebody who ever lives in that apartment building or is right. in that apartment because it is quite spacious. It looks quite spacious for a lower hate apartment. But sure. I've never been. I don't know what apartment it is, but I have been to the camera store. Uh, how do I introduce this next character? 
He started his acting career at a little-known school and repertory in North Hollywood called Playhouse West. <laughs> Look at your face! Because I knew you were going to go there. That's why I was like, just James Franco. Hi, You're girls. right, it's James Franco. Hi, girls. You knew what was happening. James Franco. James Franco portrays Scott, and I think he does a great job. Uh, I love that he doesn't overdo it in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I think that him and Sean Penn have some very intimate scenes mm-hmm. as uh, two straight men. Well, actually, James isn't 100% straight as I understand it. This dude is one of those people that only sleeps about three or four hours a night. Okay. And he gets a full night of sleep. Okay, wait. I seen... James Franco, I forgot about this. I've seen. We got a Hollywood close encounter. Yeah, my roommate Emily, hey girl, her boyfriend used to work at the Castro Theater. Okay. So for years we never paid to fucking go to the Castro Theater ever. And so one time he's like, James Franco's coming, showing one of his movies. We went. We sat on the balcony and we watched this movie, which was very artistic of everything in movies. That you don't see. Someone brushing their teeth. Interesting. Someone making tea. Someone answering the phone. So, like, just very random, very random, avant-garde kind of weird shit. Okay. And even now, I was like, I don't... I get what you're doing, but it was not worth me, like, sitting for, like, 30 minutes to watch this. And so everything he was doing, he was doing by himself? Yeah. Okay. So, like, he, like go and he'd sit down it was like more of an exercise than uh-huh. something that i would go and watch or i would say it'd be something that you would put in like the moma you put in like some modern art gallery and it would fit but it was very strange for the big screen so yes. it didn't fit there but it does fit in a smaller screen a smaller mm-hmm. vineyard because i got what he was doing he's doing alones he's doing alones. he's doing alones and he's doing fantasies that is two of the foundational exercises In Playhouse West. I totally get it because we were doing that same shit in Mm -hmm. class at the same time. But it was just like, that's not what I thought I was going for. I thought I'm like, Pineapple Express. Like, but no, it was like him sitting down and pouring coffee and then putting sugar and cream in it and stirring it and Mm -hmm. then drinking it. Oh, it's too hot. Let me blow on it. Mm -hmm. You were sitting there like, wait, this is not what I thought that we were going to come. It was fine. I get it. Because there's no story to it. It's got to keep going. You know, you can do those and you can compile them together and have a story, but there has to be a no story. story. There has to be a connecting line. It just was not what I thought I was going to the Castle mm-hmm. Theater to see. And then he did some Q&As and we were like, what the fuck? Okay. Well, Franco, um, I think he did a great job in this one. He has been nominated for one Oscar. I think that was for portraying James Dean in his early acting career. What? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I thought it was for like 127. It was for 127 hours. Thank you. I think you're right. For sure that's what it is. And I saw that movie. I thought it was a great fucking movie. Mm -hmm. And it's just him. And that is another, that's an example of doing alones and fantasies in a larger setting. Well, that's a real movie though. Yeah. Like that's a true story. But it's all him. It's all him doing these fantasies and these alones of him trying to get his arm drink up. water but not too much because it's got to conserve Try trying to get to the last nothing. bit of sunlight before the sun goes down mm-hmm. trying 
to pee and then realizing he's going to need to drink that to stay hydrated. Mm -hmm. You know, these little things talking to the camera Mm -hmm. is a fantasy. You know, these are all Meisner exercises. Yeah. Uh, so this is what he did for eight fucking years. And then they in cut a two his year arm program. off, girl. He cut his arm off. That movie's intense. True I love that story. I, that True movie story. is when I became a James Franco fan. Honestly, I'm good. I wouldn't even even say that I'm a huge James Franco fan now. I mean, I'm not I, a huge James Franco fan, but I respect his work. After I respect I saw his work, and this is probably the one that made me respect it the most. Milk. I hadn't seen this one yet. I wasn't even aware was, of it. Is this your first time watching it? No, oh, okay. not now, but oh, okay. back then. Oh yeah, no. This is probably the first thing that I like. Was like, oh god, he can, okay, he can do his shit because mm-hmm. you know, coming off of Pineapple Express, that's all we think that and Geeks and Freaks and like mm-hmm. you know, okay, he's in Never Watch Geeks, Never uh, Been Kissed. No, no, oh, he's in Never Been Kissed. He's part of the cool kids, like you is know, he? yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Um, do you know who was also up for Scott? Who? One of my boo-boos, Bradley Cooper. Oh, I thought you were going to say DiCaprio. Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, so Bradley Cooper was up for this. I could see that. Okay. I would have liked to see him and Sean Penn kiss. That would have been hot. Sean Penn. He doesn't look as hot in this movie. You know, he looks very Harvey Milk. <laughs> he looks very Harvey Milk. Okay. I do have a fun fact. Okay. Have you ever heard of the name Gilbert Baker? No. He was friends with Harvey, and he let the crew borrow clothing from the 70s that Sean Penn really did wear in this movie. And he is famous for being an artist and an activist, and you have totally seen his piece of work. So what have I seen? He started off doing like clothing and making clothing for himself and for gay people that, you know, couldn't really find this fashion that they were looking for. And he became really close with Harvey and Harvey was like, you know, the black people, they have their symbol. They got the black power flag. We need something like that. And so Gilbert went and created the rainbow flag. That is the symbol for LGBTQ community. Really? Yeah. So um, Harvey kind of had a hand in that as well, inspiring him and kind of telling him something that we needed. We need to have something so that we know and we're proud. You know, we show our pride for what we are. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be ashamed. We need to be proud. So he made that rainbow flag that we all wave every pride month. It's just kind of cool. I thought, I thought that was a fun fact. I thought that was a great fun fact. So, you want another fun fact? Yes. Okay, so the cast claimed that while they were f- filming in the camera store, there was a moment where a guy walked in and kind of sat in the back and watched them film. And mm-hmm. then when it was over, they looked, and he was gone. What the fuck? And the cast swears that it was Harvey checking in on them <laughs> go sorry floating <laughs> please don't haunt me please haunt me i bet he's fabulous he i mean some... anybody i don't want anybody haunting me i'm definitely haunting you but i feel like when it's a haunting from a loved one it's not a haunting it's like first off i don't even want to think about you not being here i know 
But also, it is a funny thought if me and Ashley are asleep and at 3.30 in the morning, Donna Summers comes on. You're like, it's an over 30 <laughs> And it smells now. like weed throughout the house. You're like, are you smoking weed? No. <laughs> How come Donna Summers on? And all of a sudden... Robin's in the living room doing The simple circles. syrup is out on the kitchen table. Did you drink all of this champagne? I didn't even open the champagne. When did we buy champagne? I don't know, but there's an empty bottle on the counter. cooks and orange juice in the kitchen. I didn't buy... Oh, <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Enough of that shit. Enough of ghosts. <laughs> ghosts of Nobia haunting your bar. I don't want to play this game. So can we move on yes, to we can. the two leads of this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Ready to talk about Thanos, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He is Thanos. And you forget that because you can't really see his face. But that voice, girl. That voice. He is Thanos. But in my mind, he will always be Bran. I love... Josh Brolin. <laughs> I do. He plays a very good person that you don't want to like. And mm-hmm. he plays a good person that you do want to like. Agreed. I don't. When I see him in something, I'm like, am I going to hate him? Am I going to love him? Like, Depends on what he's playing. What am I going to do here? Yeah. Is he going to be stealing something running from crazy people? Is he going to be on a little girl's bike chasing down his brother who's traveling for gold? I'm going to hit you so hard by the time you wake up, your clothes will be out of style. style. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. And he's had a very long career. Mm-hmm. And he had a career that kind of felt like it, like it took me a minute to realize that was him and the Goonies' older brother. Because it took me a minute to realize who older him was. Like, yeah. You know? And once I realized that, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. In my mind, when I mean, I saw Goonies when I was a kid. Yeah. And Goonies was his first job. It was the first thing we seen to him, man. Yeah. And he that did a great it. job. Did a great fucking job. It's amazing to get a job like that off the bat. Off the bat. I know? mean, you look at that cast. You way up to a lead role. Uh, Half but that cast I saw that, works. And then I thought that he stopped acting. Like, my ex-girlfriend in high school, her dad worked on set. I think as a construction, her dad and her brother. And when I was like 18, they talked about how they worked with him. Mm -hmm. And I thought that they meant that he stopped acting, that he works behind the scenes now. Little did I realize they were working on a movie that he was acting in. Because I hadn't seen him in a while. And then all of a sudden, No Country for Old Men comes out. And it's like, oh shit, he's an adult now. That and blew him out like, the water again. He fucking blew up all over yeah. again, like John Travolta. And now he can, you know, say what he wants to do and what he don't want to do. He can kill you with a snap of his fingers. <laughs> <sighs> if there's ever a moment in a movie that has made me have so much angst, mm-hmm. it's that snap. We were like, oh my god. Wait, which one came out first? Oh no, no, no. They both came out at the same time. What? American Gangster and No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. He was an American Gangster. Yeah. He's just good. He has He's that kind of voice. Good. He has that, that like no-nonsense sure. like look on his face. Like, mm-hmm. I will fuck you up. And in this movie, it was fun to see him play drunk. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. He's like, who are you? Sure. You just came out of nowhere. Like, I had ever. I don't even know who you are. You just showed up out of nowhere. Latino man. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. You know? And to see him more of a vulnerable character than a straight up like 
badass. Yeah, for sure. It was. It's nice. Not only that, he's got his own insecurities. And correct me if I'm wrong, but does Harvey think that Josh Brolin's character is in the closet? That's what he says. He said it, right? He does say that in the movie. Yeah. I don't know if that's fact. I don't know if it's fact, but I think that it hints at something. Yeah. And that's why he is in such turmoil. It could be. Like, he has an inner conflict the entire time. It could be. Dan White's son Uh was on set during this movie, which I think that's awesome to pay respect to. For sure. Um you know them because they are also victims in this as well yeah and i kind of want to give you a little bit of a story on dan the real dan okay so after brutally murdering Mm -hmm. the mayor of san francisco and harvey he surrendered to the cops and confessed to murdering them Mm -hmm. and he goes to trial so now they got to see like it's not necessarily like Oh, did he or did he not murder them? It's like, what degree to a murder was this? Yeah. And so his defense was the Twinkie defense. Fucking Twinkies! If if you've ever heard of the Twinkie... Where's the cream filling? (laughs) If you've ever heard of the Twinkie defense, this is where it come from. Yeah. Dan said that he couldn't deal with the pressure of Mm -hmm. the politics, the pressure of his family pressure of financial pressure of quitting his job yeah not getting fired or laid off but quitting his job because he didn't like it and all of the things that went with that so he just didn't know what he was doing and he killed them and it was not meant as like assassination murder that was a good so enough excuse. So basically he's claiming temporary insanity. Pretty much. And that was a good enough excuse that he got five years. He got eight years. Eight years served. Served five and was out for killing the mayor. The mayor of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And you only get eight years and you only really get five years. Like Not Harvey is one thing. That's a hate crime now to us. We see that as like a hate crime. Mm-hmm. But back then... How could you not be outraged that this man killed your mayor, Mm -hmm. who was a good mayor? Mm -hmm. He made sure that women's rights were viewed and that he would put them on the board. He was strong in the black community, helping them get jobs and do things like that. He was strong in the gay community, making sure that they got their rights. And that's another reason why I feel like Dan White did kill him is because he's trying to change. Mm -hmm. And Dan White is so... We don't want no new way. The old way was fine for us. Fucking of course, because he's an ex-cop, mm-hmm. and the old way is always a good way. And so he murders the mayor, and he only gets five years. So, if the, I'm not mistaken, San Francisco has a reputation for electing good mayors. Yeah, our governor, our governor was my mayor when I lived there. Was the mayor of San Francisco, he was, and I think he's doing a great job. He was personally. the mayor the majority of my living in San Francisco, and yeah. he was great. Crime was down, jobs were up, everyone was happy, you know, and he made himself open to, like, I would have been irate if they fucking killed him when I lived there. Like, I'd been, So after this, and after, obviously, the charges that were brought upon him, similar, echoing to what we're feeling right now, mm-hmm. um, they rioted in the streets. The gays went and they started breaking windows and started setting cop cars on fires and they were pissed. Fuck yeah. You could just kill anybody. 
You can kill anyone and you could do whatever and get away with it if you are a straight white male. And that's not fair. That's probably why this movie hit me the hardest is because I've, I've felt that. And I feel like, you know, Harvey felt the same way as in like, you know, I watched a real interview of him and he's, you know, walking from the Castro to City Hall to get sworn in. He has mm-hmm. Jack on his arm and he says, you know, I'm fighting for gay rights. But what kind of hypocrite would I be if I'm only fighting for those rights and not the rights of, you know, ethnic people, Mm -hmm. the rights of elderly people, the people that no one pays attention to? He was like, what kind of person would I be if I'm sitting here fighting for just that cause? Yeah. When there's so many other causes that need to be. So the city of San Francisco has the milk bar. You know, there's signs and posters of him up all over San Francisco. So. Because Dan White wanted to just fucking kill him and give a Twinkie of defense. Twinkie defense. Fucking bullshit. I don't understand that in the slightest. Whatever. I don't know what happened to Dan White. He hung himself. Did he really? Two years after he was released, he hung himself. Because he felt awful. I, I don't know if he hung himself, but he committed suicide. That being said. Do you know who was going, who was up for the role? Who was up for the role? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I can see that too. Actually. I can see Matt Damon. Yeah, but I don't want to hate Matt Damon. I love him. Matt Damon is great. I don't want to love he's him. A great fucking. I mean, I love Josh Brolin. I do too, but I can hate him. Like he plays good roles where I can be like, "Fuck you, fuck this guy." But then Matt Damon can play those characters too. But I don't want. And he to. has. That being said, he ain't in this movie. He's not, but he could have been. Josh Brolin over Matt Damon. Josh Brolin, he did a good job. I think that being looked... said, I think that Matt Damon looks more like an Irish American than Josh Brolin does. Josh Brolin got a tan, a permanent tan. But I mean, California. I mean, it's San Francisco. Irish. I got real pale in San Francisco. Irish American. Uh, you know. I don't know. That's all. That's my only thing with that casting choice because Josh Brolin did a fantastic job. I didn't even fucking notice that. He, Everyone in Hollywood, maybe scared. an Irishman moved to California and fell in love with a Hispanic girl. I don't. He know. He might be Irish. I don't care about the way a person looks, though. Blind casting for me. Yeah. Shit. If you can do the job, you can do the job. He could do the job. I think he's bigger than the real Dan. At least that's how I feel like when I look at mm-hmm. old footage. I'll him. take Brandy and Cinderella over. Hermione in Beauty and the Beast. What's her name? Well, Emma Watson. I mean... No, no offense. Just, But if they had done blind casting, they would have found somebody correct for the part. True. You know what I mean? All we are saying is... All we are saying... Is give, give new actors a chance. chance. Oh, I thought you were going the John Lennon route. No, we got to give new actors a chance. Yes, you absolutely. Use, you don't got to use Hermione for everybody. Damn, everybody loves her already. I do love Hermione, though. I do love her. She's great. You ready for a fun fact? Yes, I am. Give me that fun fact, because I'm ready to move on. Coors was really banned in gay bars, especially in San Francisco. Okay. Um, and that kind of went through for a while. Really? San Francisco itself still, at least when I lived there, did not carry cores half as much as, you know, PBR and Coronas. So I don't know if their bond is as happy. I know that I have a friend who is a huge Coors Light fan. And when she came to visit me in San Francisco, found it hard to get her Coors Light on. So 
When we, especially sorry. When, yeah, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I don't have anything against Coors. I actually drink them. But um, back in the 70s, I would have poured them down the drain, too. In yeah. solidarity with my rainbow friends. So that is a true fun fact about the movie. Harvey did organize that. Good. I like that a lot. Uh, it is time to talk about the man of the hour, Mr. Sean Penn. Burr, burr, burr. This dude is, as you know, a method actor. I thought you said this guy's on meth. Nope. <laughs> he is a method actor. And he... You're talking about Spicoli? Spicoli. <laughs> Mr. Han. You're talking about the man who put Vans on the map? There you go. He is a second generation film industry. Ooh, what his father was a director and a writer, Mr. Leo Penn. His mother was an actress, Aileen Ryan. His brother, of course, rest in peace, is Chris Penn. Nice guy, Eddie. Yeah. Nice guy, Eddie. Stop pointing that gun at my dad. Oh, he was, oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. You guys, Reservoir Dogs. This is a good one. I always remember him in uh, Best of the Best. I just think I want him. I want his balls. Yeah, I thought you were missing a pair, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, Sean Penn uh, is a longtime fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, Started with Spicoli. And for those of you who don't know who Spicoli is, go check out a widely known movie. Fast Times at Richmond High. Gnarly, dude. Sean Penn has done some incredible movies. Like, you know what I like him in? The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That was a really... That's right. He goes and he finds He's him. the photographer. He's the photographer. Dude. That movie was really well done. Yes, it was. I know it was based on like a book or a short mm-hmm. story. Um, my mom told me all about it. She's like, you haven't read The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? And she went on a whole rant wait, about it. Wait, does mama have it? Mama, She's let me read the that. book. She hasn't seen the movie. If you got the book, Mama, let me borrow that because I heard the book is really good. I'm sure it is. You know I love to read me a good book. I think it came from like the 50s or the 60s. And he just imagines himself in like different In places. all of these different situations. Ben Stiller did a good job in that exactly. one. So Sean Penn plays uh, the photographer for Life magazine. Yeah. And it's almost like he's got life figured out. He does. You know in this character and he's like he's on location trying to capture the picture of this arctic uh snow leopard or something like that and walter mitty finally tracks him down and he's got this giant long 300 millimeter lens he like really he really goes finds him yeah Yeah, not like a dream he really finds him he's got like crystals of like ice hanging down his mustache and stuff the guy calls him he's like yeah so we found some hits on your dating site and he's like man i'm out there like living life now (laughs) yeah exactly i want to say like when i see this guy i picture a guy who started his career as like a uh war photographer who was like in vietnam or something like that on the grounds taking pictures and as he got older he got a job with life magazine and who doesn't want to work for life i mean right they take some of the most gorgeous pictures in nice. history. Like you see him in this moment and like they finally catch this elusive snow leopard in the lens and he's looking at the thing and he doesn't snap the picture. He's like, what are you doing? Are you gonna? It's like, 
Sometimes, sometimes I don't take them. Sometimes it's just I just, for it's just for me. It's just for you me. Know, if the moment is too good, I just, it's mine. Sean Penn. Oh, yeah, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> so after he did his first makeout scene with James Franco, uh-huh. he text messaged his ex-wife, Madonna, and said, I just broke my cherry. I kissed a guy. And she said, congratulations. Because <laughs> she is um, a gay icon herself. Oh, so, yes, she is. So I can totally understand her being like, yes. And you're playing like an icon in our community. Like, thank you. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he did. He made out with James Franco. That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to give you some of... Uh, Mr. Sean Penn's. I'm gonna rattle off some. If you guys aren't familiar with Sean Penn's work, who? Sean Penn. Never heard. The of lead of our movie. Oh, you need guy? to check out these movies. I'm gonna give you a list. You got some homework to do. Starting with colors. 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 Especially. I am a nightmare. I would walking. like you to watch Psychopath that now. Talking. King Definitely. of the jungle, just a gangster stalking. Every uh, so. Definitely now watch some colors. 1988 colors. He's super young in that one, y'all. Mm-hmm. But he very very young. He does a good job, and I think that kind of helped make his mark mm-hmm. in uh, cinema. After Spicoli, obviously, got to. If that you haven't seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you definitely need to ask somebody. Because I have always wanted to order a pizza to my classroom, and he, g- he gave all his fucking food to everybody else in the whole goddamn classroom. Uh-huh. He was not about it, and just every this- stoner afterwards is trying to re-portray Spicoli. Righteous, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had long... Ver- you know, I'm just out there getting some tasty ways, bruh. Uh-huh. You gotta Colors. check out Casualties of War. Okay, okay. That's Michael J. Fox. That's Sean Penn. That's Johnny Legg. But probably the Sean Penn movie. I know this sounds really weird because I was young. What? Dead Man Walking. Oh, okay. I thought you were going with the comedic Probably because I, I love Susan Sarandon. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I remember being a kid watching that movie, and it just it got to me. Because I came out in what, like 95, so mm. I was like real young in like the 90s watching it. That's one of the things I was like, ooh, this guy's like, he's got some chops. He's I got feel like I saw chops. that one. Probably. And he knows how to get a performance out of the actor he's working opposite of. I mean, one, she's already a fantastic actress. Sure. But two, he does something that is very hard to do, which is make you feel sympathetic for a criminal. Mm. Something that's hard to do unless the movie's like a mobster movie sure. or a gangster movie where you're supposed to be kind of rooting for them. This one is like a nun trying to save a death row inmate. I got you. Goes, have you seen it? No, I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. Susan Sarandon's a nun. She goes Love and her. talks to him and he's like a murderer. I think he murdered like a child or something Sexy like that. Sexy Susan Sarandon as a nun? Yeah. She's yeah. like a spicy nun? No, or? she's not like a hobbit, like habit numb. Like mm-hmm. she didn't wear the habit or anything, but she's like a nun. Okay. And she goes and like, you know, she writes with him, talks to him, and she wants to, you know, save. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I got you. But the reason I say that is because uh, in that movie, Casualties of War, Mm -hmm. when they were filming the courtroom scene with Michael J. Fox, one of the things that he did is uh, I think Sean Penn 
says something to the judge. He's uh, standing, uh, approaching the bench or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And then as he walks back, he's supposed to cross paths with Michael J. Fox. And when he does, Sean Penn whispered in his ear, everybody says you're doing a shit fucking job in this movie. <laughs> right before Michael J. Fox has to go and do this fucking monologue. I think that's such a good idea. I would totally say a bunch of He totally mind fucked him just I to get change, that bigger performance out of him. I would change what I said every take. Another movie that you got to put on your homework list, I Am Sam. Oh, that's not what I was thinking, but yes, definitely Fuck I Am Sam. Fuck yeah. Because he doesn't go full retard. I don't... I, <laughs> And I, I never go that, full retard. I hate saying that because I know we're not a, we don't say that anymore. Uh-huh. But I That's am quoting. I'm quote, quoting people. Tropic Thunder. We're quoting Tropic Thunder. And he doesn't go full retard. I don't break until the to video the, commentary, baby, on the DVD. <laughs> um, but yes, you're right. Dakota Fanning and him Dakota are so amazing. Little baby Dakota Fanning, she did so good. And you know who plays like even younger her in that movie? Her sister. Does she really? She does. I didn't realize that. So um, they look a lot alike, so that makes sense. But um, okay, yeah, that that's a great, great movie. Him, yeah, you kind of forget a Sean Penn. Yeah, and you just f- want him to just be able to raise his daughter. I know. I would also say another one that gets me of his is Mystic River. Oh yeah, who is it? Tim Robbins, him and. It's Kevin Bacon's in it too. Kevin Bacon is in it as well. It's a Clint Eastwood movie. It is a Clint Eastwood. They improved. They went to a cabin together and improved with each other for three months before filming that movie. See, it's just like so. That's the why I'm wondering Stone. who the girl is at the time. It's like the I'm Family Stone. How they had to like spend that time for it to like feel real. <laughs> Mystic River, the scene where he, you know, they discovered his daughter's body, and he's like, "Is that my daughter down there?" And it takes like 50 cops oh, to like hold him back. Yeah. That scene. Oh. He broke one of those cops' arm. In real life? In real life. It looked like it because it looked like they could barely hold him down for real. Mm-hmm. He's played a dad that nobody loves his daughter more mm-hmm. than that dad. So that movie. Oh. Well, Such he a- won for that movie. He did win. He won that. the Oscar for Best Actor. I believe Clint Eastwood won for that one too. So. Sean Penn has won two Oscars, Mystic River, Milk. And I love both of those. I'm amazed that he didn't win for I Am Sam. but Full retard. That being said. I think that's what it is. He did go. Yeah, he did. I feel like people feel weird on giving awards to someone who's mentally handicapped. Sure. Unless you're like a more downplayed one like Forrest Gump. Two years ago, he was presenting for Best Director. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Inuritu won. And he's like, who the fuck gave this guy a green card? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to praise him on his personal life. I do he, know he can be... Sean Penn is not an angel. No. and We're I no mean, angels. We're no angels. Great fucking movie. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I mean, apparently him and Madonna's relationship, if this quote was right is nice you know and civil but i do know that they had their domestic issues oh yeah and if what she says is true he's a madman but a word i but that is not what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i'm just going to talk about one scene that i think he does the best that made me feel something really 
passionate and strong um, as a woman, especially as a black woman. The scene where he is, he's just walking down Castro and he's mm. looking at this beautiful, I run this. I'm the mayor of fucking Castro Street. You know, this is my spot. Mm-hmm. And he sees the guy get out of the car and is like walking towards him and he oh looks, yeah, he yeah, starts yeah. running down the street he thinks he's about to get because it was a cop car you saw the lights yeah and then he let him out and he he knows that it could be him yeah and until he runs to his store and, and he runs, sees phoenix there he sees him and he's like oh okay there's two Ooh, of us thank god you're here so and they passed okay yeah. good come on let's go inside let's go inside like that just showed the heightenedness of how even in their neighborhood they weren't safe. They're not safe. You know, to see the footage of the cops breaking up the bars and all the men's hiding their faces and being loaded into the paddy wagon. It's mm-hmm. like for what? For what? It's for nothing and it just it makes no sense that Mm-mm. they had to go through this for no reason. And like it showed that these cops are even doing this to white males like mm-hmm. fuck and that scene just gets me especially now like how unsafe he felt in his own and to yeah. me well he has a great line which pretty much sums up a lot of his approach where he's talking about i was raised by i was born of heterosexual parents taught by heterosexual teachers in a fiercely heterosexual society so why then am i homosexual and no offense meant but if it were true the children mimic their teachers, we'd have a hell of a lot more nuns running around. There'd be a, a hell, hell of, of a lot, lot more nuns out there in the world. And that's not the case. Fuck no, it's not the that's case. It's not the case. Because he's right. He said, if there's more child molestation in the straight... 95% versus 5%? Then, get the fuck out of here. Then why do we have straight people? Let's get rid of then them. Then we have they're no the, teachers. Okay. They're the ones molesting we'd the children. We'd also have no molestations. Yeah. Only 5%? It's better than 90% of straight. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Ugh. But. Yeah, that fucking guy. You can argue with me, sir, but you cannot argue with God. You that can't. That fucking guy. But God also says to love your neighbor mm-hmm. and to be good to people and to pass the word of hope and positivity to other people. Not tear them down. God loves homosexuals. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He made if, them. I was about to say, if he didn't, he wouldn't have made them. Did you make me feel? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. We should watch a 70s movie. At uh, least something with 70s music. I hope everyone's safe and taking their own pride parade in their living room. Yes. Happy make Pride me feel. Month, everybody. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Oh, my God. It's hot in here. I'm out. And I'm shirtless. I'm out. I'm hot. I'm shirtless. Mic drop. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm out. And I'm drunk. Pretty buzz. <laughs> took two shots before the show and a beer. So yes, you I did. Like you it. were like looking at me. I was focusing up the camera and you're like, are you done? I'm taking a shot. I'm getting impatient. <laughs> I was getting impatient. <laughs> just, I was going into the You were the sitting show there ready. looking at me like Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, Zzz, I was ready to like, <laughs> Zzz, and just bing, 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 bing. I love Sonic. That's okay. <laughs> Takes me back to my childhood. <laughs> so we are, we did it. We did milk. We did milk. Good job. It was good. It was good. Live up top. That movie was good. 
The cast was good. And now it's time. What is time? It's time for Z for the people. Uh, I like that. Yes, sir. That was nice. That was that was good. I don't really have a Z for the people. I'm just kind of frustrated and angry and sad about what has been going on. I mean, we obviously talk about George Floyd last week. Yeah. Before shit really started hitting the fan this past week. And it is just... I was been thinking about what I was going to say for this all week. And mm-hmm. I want to say thank you yeah. to allies out there who are in the streets and they're fed up too. Yeah. They mean might not have been fed up as long as we have, but now they're fed up. And I appreciate that. And I, I, I thank you. I think that people are more aware now than they've ever been. They might not be as fed up as we are because they may not have been suffering for as long as we have. But nonetheless, there are people that have. Mm-hmm. I think that if anything, what this last couple of weeks has shown is that people when they have a single objective in mind have more power than any politician including our president it's just a matter of solidarity it's a matter of being on the same page because how many years has this been going on where black people have been fighting racial prejudice police brutality inequality and in this lat this is the first time in my lifetime that i have witnessed people of every race of every sexual orientation fighting for a single cause and that is one of the main reasons why these four officers have all been charged that's why black people mexican people we don't call we don't and if I have to call them, I tell them that if I have to deal with this myself, you're going to be coming over here for a completely different situation. I don't want that and you don't want that. So do your fucking job. And it's not just the cops. It's the people who run the cops. It's mm-hmm. the people who run the city. Mm-hmm. Don't care. I think people the have mayor learned Temecula, the importance of voting. People that didn't believe that their vote, vote counted have learned the importance to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but then again, you don't know because people can lie. The mayor of Temecula was answering questions from its town people. And when they said, what do you have? What do you, how do you feel about innocent black people getting killed on the streets by police officer? He said that he didn't think that there was any innocent black people that were ever killed by the police. And now he had to resign. Good. These are things that we need to make done. Don't you just listen to this and think that, well, you know, my uncle, he's racist because he's from Florida and he says some bullshit. But, you know, that's So change the way fucking Florida James. thinks. What you need to do is you need to make them feel as bad as the way their words make us feel. Because being scared to meet my white friend's extended family should not be a thing that I have to fear. Mm-hmm. Because when you come to meet my family, you're going to be fed. You're going to be drunk. You're going to be happy. One of the things in this movie that was very powerful, that was very impactful, was when... Every gay person who was in San Francisco when that vote was going down came out to their parents, to their relatives, to whoever. Because then not only are you 
voting on a subject that doesn't affect you, oh, now it does. Mm-hmm. Because, because now you know someone who is affected by this. Now you know that your son or your daughter is not going to be able to get a job if you vote anywhere. yes on this proposition. They're going to be on the street. They're going to be in jail. Exactly. Exactly. And as... So if you're hiding from your parents, from your relatives, that you are in love with a black man, in love with a black woman, whatever it is, that your best friend is a black man, you know, whatever it is, you need to be vocal about that. Let them know in a conversation. If you're at dinner with somebody who's being racist, you need to tell them, hey, my best friend is a black person. I really don't appreciate that. Yeah. They're an extension of my chosen family. And I don't appreciate that. I don't want to hear that around there. You have a backwards way of thinking, and you need to stop. You need to stop. Times are changing. You're about to get left behind if you keep thinking that way. It's just that is one of the things I would say. Please talk to your families who especially are old and think very racistly um, and who only see this whole thing as black people trying to loot and to destroy the country. All I would like to say is I'd rather see this country burnt down to the ground than another innocent black person killed Mm -hmm. because all of this stuff can be fucking replaced. All of this can be rebuilt. But that person cannot be remade. Mm -hmm. He cannot come back. There's nothing that I can do to bring George Floyd back. There's nothing that I can do to bring any of these 600 in, in L.A. County alone who are killed by fucking the LAPD. It's mm-hmm. just... If there's one thing that I heard uh, the mayor say, and I didn't listen to much, but I did hear him state that it is the 20% of looters that are making a bad name for the peaceful protesters they don't view this protest as people trying to loot and people trying to cause anarchy and this that and the other that is a completely separate group that is not for our cause they are using our cause as an excuse to cause mayhem and disruption like you said the majority of us who are out there in the streets are not looting or not destroying anything mm-hmm. we just want change and we are governing governing that yeah. we are policing that ourselves we are, because if we see we somebody see it, doing something that shouldn't be done we're stopping them down. it there should be more police officers who see a police officer doing something that they shouldn't be that are stepping in i don't care if it's your senior officer if he's wrong then he's yeah. fucking wrong he's wrong why am i coming back to morgan freeman Lean on me. One bad apple spoils a bunch. Well, what about 200? Rotten to the core. To the core. And that's why I threw those bastards out. And he did. Because it's a war to save 2,700 other students. And what did his school do? It thrived. thrived. It thrived because he got rid of those bad apples. Mm-hmm. The police can thrive if they make a way with the community and they get rid of these bad apples. You make it so that you aren't going to get away with killing somebody for no reason. And besides that, like in this story alone, we got fucking Dan White, who is a straight white man who got away with murder of mm-hmm. a hate crime. He and I also found out that he wasn't just going for these two people. There was Willie Brown, who was a black man who worked in the city hall. I can't remember what his position was. I think he eventually ended up being mayor of San Francisco at one point, but was one of the last people to talk to the mayor mm-hmm. and was a target for Dan. He would have been killed as well. So, I mean, 
times are changing mm-hmm. and we all need to be a part of this be on the right side of history because we do this every 30 years we riot because of something but nothing gets changed mm-hmm. and i'm tired of it you're tired of it we're tired of it and i will burn every city down if i have to if it will stop this you know my mom uh told me once how when she was a little girl they would actually get excited if they saw a police car driving down the street and the police car would stop and they would greet the children and like talk yeah. to them and stuff and they didn't have any fear of them approaching they thought like cool we get to meet a police officer it's I've how they should never, be never ever experienced that ever because this isn't something that people of color are making up. I have my entire life have been told to not touch anything in a store because if I touch it and something goes missing, I'm mm-hmm. the first one they're going to come to. Absolutely. I was told before I even dreamed of having a driver's license that if we get pulled over, you turn all the lights on in the car, you turn the radio off, you put your hands on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. If you're in the back, you put your hands on the back of the chair mm-hmm. and you... Get your paperwork out ahead of time. Ahead of time so you can hand it to them. There's no reason for them to hurt you if you follow these rules. Don't give them an excuse. But I shouldn't have to give you an excuse. I shouldn't have to follow the rules that Mm. a white person doesn't have to follow. A white person can be like, do you know who I am? I am an American citizen and Mm -hmm. can be getting pulled over for a DUI and go to jail safely. But if I attempted anything like that, I'm going home in a body bag. Yeah, I had a friend tell me about that just yesterday or the day before, talking about how his mom, if they were uh, pulled over, would be incredibly rude to the cops. And I was like, dude, I do that shit. I'm not here today. I put on my whitest of white voice. I try to act as like ditzy and as un, you know, assuming or uh, threatening as possible Mm -hmm. so that, you know, their guards down. But why should, why, why, why doesn't the law make them accountable for what they do? I am so done about talking about this because I don't want to cry and I don't want to like go to bed angry. Yeah. I don't want to go to bed angry, but I'm so fucking pissed and I need everybody out there to feel my anger right now because I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't even get my notes done because I'm worried. I'm upset. And I think that our future is not going to be what we want it to be because I feel like this is going to be a fad. This is something for the now. This is something that white people are going to do now. And that in six months from now, another black person is going to be killed and nothing is going to happen. That's my fear. So please, please vote. Go out into the street. Talk to your racist uncle. I don't know what else to tell you. And don't just vote for the presidential election, people. Small government is where it really matters. If you know better, you need to do better. And there's no reason for anyone right now to not know better. There's no reason. And I'm done. That's my Z for the people. That being said, guys, we're going to end this podcast not with our normal Lights, Camera, Cocktails jingle, but with the end speech from this movie because for real it is about equality it's it is. about the fight that everybody has together harvey milk wasn't just fighting for gay people he was fighting for the people. black community for the hispanic community for the lesbian community for, for the, the hispanic elderly. community for the asian community and we all have to fight for each other because at the end of the day we're really all we have we're all human 
It's only one race. It's a human race. We're out, guys. We'll see you next week on Lights, Camera, Cocktails. I ask for the movement to continue because it's not about personal gain. It's not about ego. It's not about power. It's about the us's out there. Not just the gays, but the blacks and the Asians and the seniors and the disabled, the us's. Without hope, the us's give up. And I know you can't live on hope alone, but without hope, life is not worth living. So you, and you, and you, you gotta give them hope. You gotta give them hope.